Welcome to the brand new Patriots and Pinstripes podcast, the official podcast of the New York Yankees AA affiliate Somerset Patriots. And the Patriots have won it! Somerset! My name is Mark Schwartz. On this show, I'll cover all things Somerset Patriots and New York Yankees, from the organizational structure all the way down to the prospects, the AA Northeast League, and everything in between. A pleasant hello and welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast, a podcast specifically targeting the Somerset Patriots, the AA affiliate of the New York Yankees. My name is Mark Schwartz and I'm joined as always by Brandon Pelter. A very exciting episode this week. We've got plenty to go over. We're recapping the Reading Fight and Phil series. We're previewing the upcoming Erie Seawolf series and we're really going to take a deeper dive into all of the prospects in the New York Yankees organization. But before we do all of that, Brandon, most important question of the day, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Mark. We came off of a pretty successful homestand here. The Patriots taking 7 of 11 games, getting ready to hit the road, and uh, they're going to be facing a really good Erie Seawolves team. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be one of the tougher challenges for the Patriots to start off this season. Erie with a couple of nice prospects, specifically Riley Green, who's garnered a lot of attention around minor league circles. But before we get into all of that, we need to take a look back at this last week against the Reading Fight and Phils. Who wants to play baseball? Let's go! Yes, sir! All right, Brandon. Well, it was a uh, a 12-game homestand originally anticipated here at TD Bank Ballpark. We wound up playing 11 games because, unfortunately, we were blessed with some rain uh, more often than not. Uh, so one of the games against the New Hampshire Fisher Cats was canceled, not postponed. We did play all six against the Reading Fighting Phils to finish up the longest homestand of the season, and the Patriots went 4-2 and two over that six-game series against Reading, a team that had really struggled entering this series. So just an overview, what are some of your top-line takeaways from this last week? Well, I think the biggest thing is uh, Diego Castillo was absolutely phenomenal, slotting in that two-spot in the lineup after missing um, about a week and a half, two weeks when the team was on the road. So really nice to see him back going 10 for 20 in his five games played in this last week. He really provided some pop. Uh, I think the offense continued to play pretty well, kept them in every single ball game, and uh, no surprise the pitching was uh, was extremely strong with J.P. Sears kind of leading the charge. It's uh, It was quite the week for Castillo, as you mentioned, a 500 batting average, also had three home runs and four runs batted in. In fact, we got word on Monday that he was named the player of the week for the AA Northeast League thanks to those stats. I mean, Diego now batting over 350 on the season, had a couple of three-hit games for the Patriots over the last weekend. What kind of impact can his bat make on this team moving forward, especially considering Oswaldo Cabrera is still away from the squad? Well, the power stroke is always nice to have, but I don't think we should anticipate that to remain for Castillo. If he's a guy that can consistently get on base with some of the big bats behind him, Adermis Garcia, Donnie Sands, those guys kind of come to mind. Uh, this Patriots offense should be in really good shape, but Mark, also the bottom half of the lineup has been impressive as well. Aaron Palen has been the headliner there. So when he's consistently in that nine hole and you have Michael Beltre, who's been swinging the bat fairly well at the top, Castillo, Sands, Garcia, they can be a really good offensive lineup. 
Yeah, Polenski certainly had a strong week. He hit only 250, which is a little surprising seeing that number because it felt like he hit a lot higher than 250 over the week, uh, but he was getting on base at a 333 clip. That included his first professional home run that came in game one of Saturday's doubleheader. He had a big RBI triple, had a couple of games where he reached base multiple times. Uh, a very impressive week for Polenski. And looking at the rest of that bottom of the order, uh, we saw Matt Pita have a four RBI game. Now he was taken out of a ball game on, uh, what was it, Saturday uh, after he got hit by a pitch in the wrist. We, we heard that uh, he's day-to-day, so hopefully everything uh, works out well for Pita, but Polenski at the bottom of the order. Pita, we've seen a lot of promising at-bats from Max Burt. Oliver Dunn had a home run as well, had another one robbed from him mm-hmm. on Sunday. So, you know, the depth in this lineup is really starting to pay dividends. I think, you know, when one half of the lineup or one portion is struggling, it feels like there's always another um, area that kind of picks things up. And so when it's been the top half not really getting the job done, the first three hitters, then you've had, you know, Dunn, as we've mentioned, Polenski. The guys down there, PETA, really picked things up, and vice versa as well. You've had plenty of games, what was it, on uh, Friday when there were two back-to-back home runs with uh, Castillo and Sands and then Sands and Dermis Garcia, a total of five home runs hit in that ballgame. Yeah, that was that was uh, Tuesday. That was the first game of the series. But uh, it, it was an impressive power week from the Patriots. You mentioned Donnie Sands. I do want to talk a little bit about him. Um, you know, not to overlook Donnie Sands because Diego Castillo hit 500 this week, but Sands hit 381. He was eight for 21 from the plate with those two home runs, uh, both coming back on Mon- on uh, Tuesday. Had a 409 on base percentage, and it seems like Sands has really settled into this role in the middle of this Patriots order. Uh, we saw Pop his first home run of the season came in the second game of the year, and then since that point was trying to find exactly you know what kind of batter he wanted to be. But he's been spraying the ball around the field, and I've at least been impressed by Sands. Hey, he's reached base safely in 16 straight games. The most that uh, Patriot has so far this season. Well, he's been going a lot to center field, a lot to right center field. And, you know, when we're talking about these Patriots bats, we always always have to circle back to Dermis Garcia as well, uh, because it feels like he is such an important part of this team. And when he is hot, he is hot. And uh, this past week, he had some of those peaks and some of those valleys that we've seen so far this season. A 182 batting average, which is you know not exactly where you'd like to see that. Uh, however, he had four hits in the week. Three of them were home runs, and, and that's become a trend for Dermis as of late. Absolutely. I mean, he has struggled this past week. We saw him kind of have some issues on uh, pitch recognition, and that's what Julio Mascara said is his biggest thing, those swing decisions and picking up uh, pitches. When he struggled to begin the season, that was the issue. Then he got locked in and red hot in the series against Hartford. He continued a really good stretch coming back down to earth, but it's really good and promising to see that that power swing is still there with the three home runs. Overall, in the six games against the Reading Fight and Fills this week, the Patriots hit 11 home runs. Castillo had three, Dermis Garcia had three, Donnie Sands had two, and then Aaron Polensky, of course, had his uh, first of his career. Oliver Dunn hit a home run. Michael Beltre had a home run as well. Overall on the season, Somerset now with 39 home runs. That is the fifth most of any team 
at the AA level. Now, they previously were the most of any team in the AA Northeast League, uh, but on uh, Sunday, Bowie and Hartford had a redonkulous <laughs> game that went 13-11. I think there were nine total home runs. Yeah. So Bowie leapfrogged Somerset. Bowie now has 40. But the Patriots, with their 39 home runs on the season, that's only four behind the... Uh, you guessed it, the Northwest Arkansas Naturals is the team that leads all of double-A baseball with 43 home runs. And it seems, Brandon, that, you know, you know, we've talked about this so much on the air, but kind of a microcosm of baseball at large, at least for the Patriots, when they've been really swinging the bats well, we've been seeing, especially as of late, that the home run ball has really been sort of leading the way. Absolutely. You said it. That's really all of baseball been the thing. Averages are down everywhere, but that home run ball just continues to go up and up and up. And um, I think that we had talked about this in one of the games. It's really a product of pitching being so good. Teams aren't stringing together hits. They're not putting together rallies. It's the long ball that's getting the job done. And I think the Yankees as an organization have uh, kind of taken on that philosophy as well, as have many teams across Major League Baseball. I don't think that's something that's going to be changing. The Patriots certainly have their fair share of hitters that are going to get the job done and hit for average. But you said it as a team, when they're winning a lot of ball games, we saw them sweep Hartford. We saw four wins against Reading this past week. That's when they're hitting the ball out of the ballpark. Well, you mentioned that uh, one of the reasons why home runs tend to be up is because pitching is so good. That, so teams are afraid to or might not be uh, as confident in putting together rallies. Well, the Patriots pitching has been pretty good as well. Do you, did you enjoy that transition? That was a nice one. All right. Thank you. Well, let's. Uh, when we talk about Patriots pitching, you know, we have to talk about another accolade that the team earned this week. So we will start with J.P. Sears. Diego Castillo was named the AA Northeast League Player of the Week for this past stretch. J.P. Sears was named the AA Northeast League Pitcher of the Week. Another very impressive week for Sears. He went 1-0, really focusing on, on that first start. It came on Tuesday where he tossed five innings, allowed just one unearned run while striking out a career-high 10 batters. What have you seen from Sears uh, that really jumps off the page? He looked really sharp, and uh, and I think the Yankees as an organization are going to have to really sit down and make a decision. Maybe Somerset is going to have a sixth starter thrown in there. Uh, we saw Sears open this uh, series. As you mentioned, in that starting role, he really shined and I think has kind of earned himself a second start. And then uh, just on Sunday, he came in relief, the first man out after Jansen Junk, which is where we had seen him for the most part uh, throwing this season, but uh, mixing his pitches really well, hitting his spots. He's not one of the Patriots pitchers that's going to completely blow you away, but uh, as the only lefty that has been coming out of the pen, he's looked really good. Well, the 10 strikeouts paired with zero walks in that start on Tuesday. And on the back end of that, you know, Jansen Junk had been one of the most impressive starting pitchers for the Patriots so far this season. He had only allowed one earned run over his first 15 innings going into this week against Reading. So it was a little surprising initially when we found out that J.P. Sears was going to get that start on Tuesday and that Jansen Junk was going to piggyback him. However, it worked out quite well for Somerset. It worked out quite well for Junk as well, at least on Tuesday, because Junk tossed four scoreless innings, earning his first save of his career, struck out five. Now, we did see Jansen Junk as the team's starting pitcher on 
this past Sunday, and it didn't go as well for him. So how do you see Junk's role really shaping up in the weeks to come? I don't think you're going to make any decisions off just one start that wasn't up to par with the rest. And I also think just looking at the final line here from that Sunday start, uh, two runs on four hits in four innings, it wasn't for most guys, a terrible start by any stretch. I mean, if if that four innings is six, that's actually probably a quality start. So I don't think that you, you kind of throw up the red flag on him. I think they continue to see what he can do, and especially he's been one of the guys that has been really eager to uh, go long in and outing, up the pitch count a little bit. We still on Sunday only saw him at 70 pitches, and I think in part that was because he wasn't his sharpest, but I do expect to see him back in the starting rotation this week. Well, J.P. Sears finishing off his week. He made two appearances. One was a relief roll on Sunday where he only tossed one inning. So six innings uh, on the week without allowing an earned run, striking out 10. He was named the A Northeast Pitcher of the Week. Two other uh, guys I want to really zero in on for our pitching conversation. One, we're going to tie a bow on Zach Britton's rehab assignment here in Somerset. He had made one appearance by the time that we recorded last week's podcast. And initially, we said that we were expecting him for maybe Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Uh, with the rain and how Sunday's game was uh, canceled for the New Hampshire series, things kind of got thrown for a little bit of the loop. But... Britton made two more appearances this week. He started the game on Wednesday. He came in in relief in game one of Saturday's doubleheader. We're imagining that that's probably it for him in his time in Somerset, but what did you see out of the two-time American League All-Star? Well, that uh, Wednesday start wasn't quite up to par. He struggled with the command, gave up the home run, but I think on Saturday in the first game of that doubleheader, he really looked dialed in. That was Easily the best that we had seen him. He went inning with uh, no walks and two strikeouts. I believe in each of his first two appearances, he did have a walk in there. So he looked sharp. The command was there. Um, and, and it's just kind of exciting to see him head back to the Bronx. Yeah, we're hoping to uh, get him back to the Bronx as soon as possible. Uh, maybe there's a chance that he can make one more appearance against Grant. I think I heard, saw that Aaron Boone somewhere said that he might potentially have one or two appearances in Scran before he makes his way up to the Bronx. But uh, the trivia answer to the trivia question of who is the first uh, rehab assignment in Somerset Patriots history will always be Zach Britton. Last guy I want to key in on from the pitching perspective, Luis Heal. And it was really the first time this season, Brandon, I mean, Heal struggled a little bit in his second start on May 9th against the Harrisburg Senators, where I believe he allowed three runs over four innings. Uh, but this past week, we saw Heal as the starting pitcher for Somerset. That was in Game 2 of the series back on June 2nd, and uh, or rather Game um, 3 of the series on uh, June 3rd. And really for the first time this season, we saw Heal hit pretty hard. Yeah, he definitely didn't look his sharpest going four and two-thirds, seven hits, five runs. But I think probably the number that we don't like the most is the four walks. Mm. He was uh, giving out the free passes, and keep in mind, this is against a Fighting Phil's team that has really struggled at the plate this season. Me coming into this ball game, I think as a team, they were hitting 197 or so. Um, so we really were hoping to see him attack and come right after these Fighting Phil's batters. Instead, he kind of struggled. Now, coming off of the day before it's his 23rd birthday, so maybe he was, you know, a little amped up and uh, not 
quite as dialed in as he normally would be. Not sure, but uh, it certainly wasn't his best performance. Well, one thing certainly to uh, to keep in mind that I found promising, 90 pitches thrown by Luis Heel. Uh, we're now working through the end part of the fifth time through this Somerset Patriots rotation, and it seems as though pitchers are starting to get stretched out a little bit more, uh, which is certainly promising as we gear up for a big upcoming series against the Erie Seawolves. Absolutely. I mean, the arms are, are what's going to win this series for Somerset on the Erie side of things. I know we'll get to that in just a little bit, but the offense is very strong. Yeah, it's going to be a fun series. Two teams with above 500 records, Erie towards the top of the table in the Southwest Division. We'll take a deeper dive into that when we return on the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. Nishanik Valley Golf Course is a 27-hole championship course located in Nishanik Station. Hit the links at one of New Jersey's top five ranked public courses that hosted numerous amateur championships and also features a nine-hole academy course, Callaway Golf Performance Center, and the Learning Center. Open all year except New Year's Day and Christmas, Visit NishanikValleyGolf.com for more information or to book your next tea time. At RWJ Barnabas Health, we have a passion for heart health. With the largest adult and pediatric cardiac surgery programs in the state, a heart transplant program that's top 15 in the nation, a partnership with Rutgers Health, the latest technology and medical advancements, and nationally renowned care for every heart in every one of our communities. Whoever your heart beats for, our hearts beat for you. Let's be healthy together. Visit rwjbh.org slash heart. And welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. We are gearing up for a big series between the Somerset Patriots and the Erie Seawolves. Somerset traveling to Northwest Pennsylvania to take on Erie, the AA affiliate of the Detroit Tigers. The Seawolves have gotten off to a strong start so far this season. They are 19-10 and 10 on the year. They are two and a half games behind the Bowie Bay Sox for first place in the Southwest Division of the AA Northeast League. The Patriots entering the series with a 20-9 and nine record, second best overall record, in the AA Northeast League, also trailing Bowie by a game and a half. Brandon, you know, in looking at this series and really looking at the upcoming stretch of games for Somerset, we've talked a number of times so far this year about how there's been a lot of really promising signs from the Patriots, things that would point us in the direction to being really excited about this team. But some of the competition, some of the teams they've faced so far this year in Harrisburg, in Hartford, in Reading, have been teams that have been sort of towards the bottom of the table in this league. That changes beginning this week in Erie. Absolutely, yeah. The Seawolves 19-10. and 10, They're two and a half back from the uh, Bowie Bay Sox in the Southwest Division. Just five and five in their last ten, though. They had a real strong start to the season going at 12-4 and four, and Quite frankly, we are happy to see Erie even uh, still around in the AA Northeast League and affiliated with the Detroit Tigers because there was a time where um, they were initially kind of on the chopping block, but they've made a big commitment and the community has made, made a, a pretty big commitment to that stadium. They ripped up the turf uh, back in after the 2018 season and did uh, really a, a whole remake in uh, 2019 to make sure that they would keep their affiliation. But uh, a good ball club. 
really strong offense toward the tops in a lot of categories in all of AA, um, including hitting 272 to lead the way, they're going to put the Patriots pitchers to a test. Yeah, it's going to be one of those matchups where you know you have strength versus strength. We've talked about Somerset's pitching and how much success they've had. J.P. Sears, of course, coming off of this uh, uh, week where he was named the AA Northeast Pitcher of the Week. The second uh, player for Somerset that was named the Pitcher of the Week, Glenn Otto, had that back in the first week of the season. Uh, but then looking at the uh, lineup for the uh, Erie Seawolves, there's a couple of names that really jump off the page, and it begins with one of the top prospects, not only in this league, but in all of baseball, in the outfielder, Riley Green. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's that's really the only place to start. He was the fifth overall draft pick back in 2019, coming out of uh, out of high school, and uh, he hit 422 in his senior year, eight home runs out of Haggerty High School in Florida. Left-handed hitter, fluid balance swing, but he's got some of that pop in the bat as well, and that shows with his six home runs. But he's doing it with the average, hitting 274. Um, he's got some speed, six stolen bases. He really is an all-around guy and a uh, top five consensus Tigers prospect. Yeah, according to Major League Baseball Pipeline, number two, uh, and then number 16 overall in baseball, one of the top prospects in this entire league. So we're excited to watch Riley Green play. There's a couple other bats that have really jumped out to you as well. Yeah, Jacob Robson leads the uh, AA Northeast League, hitting 424, and he's got a 531 on um, base percentage as well. So he doesn't have a lot of that pop. Um, he was really a contact hitter coming out of college, but uh, he has continued to do that for the Erie Seawolves. And with numbers like that kind of reminds us of Gabriel Moreno, who has been an absolute Patriots killer for the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Yeah. I mean, anytime you have a an on-base percentage that's over 500. And, you know, he's played in 18 games, so hasn't quite played in every game for Erie so far this season, but enough to qualify. But when you have a, an on-base percentage of over 500, then you uh, you know you're doing something right. So uh, certainly an impressive start to the season for Robson. And taking a look around the rest of the uh, Detroit Tigers, uh, you know, top 30 prospects, there's one other uh, that's on this current Erie Seawolves team. It's an infielder, Ryan Kreidler. Yeah, Kreidler. The uh, 112th pick, he was in the fourth round in 2019 out of UCLA. A 6-4 shortstop, so we should expect to see him on the left side of that infield. His big thing, he is a stellar fielder. Really strong in the field, going all the way back to when he was in high school. But it's been the swing that has been a little bit of a struggle for him. He kind of worked on that approach, uh, hitting 223 this season. A little pop with the six home runs and 14 RBI. He has that capability for the power, but it's the strikeouts that have proven to be an issue. Well, Erie on the pitching side has been kind of middle of the road so far in the AA Northeast League. They do have that 19-10 and 10 record, an earned run average collectively as a pitching staff of 4.02. Uh, so nothing that really jumps off the page just yet uh, in terms of their uh, collective ERA. But, you know, for this Patriots team, they've had a lot of success at the plate with home runs. And uh, Erie, you know, they've got a couple of pitchers, including uh, one that the Patriots are going to see, um, Paul Richin, who has given up seven home runs on the season. So they've been a little susceptible to the home run ball as a pitching staff, uh, which certainly could be an avenue for Somerset. 
But a name that I did want to bring up that's on this Erie Seawolves pitching staff, and I'm going to look at the probables uh, right now for Erie for this upcoming week to see if we're going to get a chance to see him. But it's a name that is very, very familiar uh, to this Somerset Patriots community. Unfortunately, he's... Oh, he is listed as the uh, Friday night starting pitcher. It's Mark Leiter Jr., a former major leaguer. Of course, his uh, uncle... Al Leiter was a longtime pitcher for the uh, the New York Mets and the New York Yankees, the Florida Marlins as well. Uh, his father, Mark Leiter, was also a major league pitcher. And uh, Mark Leiter Jr.'s connection to Somerset, one, he's a Jersey guy. Two, he had pitched for the Somerset Patriots in last year's COVID season in the Somerset Professional Baseball Series. So Leiter Jr. will be the first player that we've seen this season uh, against Somerset or with Somerset that participated in the Somerset Professional Baseball Series, uh, which is very exciting. Now, unfortunately for Mark Leiter Jr., he hasn't gotten off to as strong of a start this season. He's 1-3 and three with a 5.82 ERA, uh, six appearances, four starts. He has struck out 28 batters over 21 and two-thirds innings. He was the ace for the Somerset Patriots in the Somerset Professional Baseball Series, and it's going to be really cool to see him on the mound this week. It's just neat to see that kind of thing come full circle, and especially you know, when we look at that series that you guys put together last year was really just to have some fun, to get some baseball, have some fans get into the ballpark, and then uh, it was such an added bonus to see Mark Leiter getting picked up and, and seeing what he did. Well, I want to also look, Brandon, over the next couple of weeks because, you know, in addition to just this Erie Seawolves uh, series that's coming up, after the Patriots play Erie, uh, they come home, they host the Richmond Flying Squirrels for six games, and after that, they have a big series against the Portland Sea Dogs. Now, for the Richmond Flying Squirrels, uh, overall this season, they have remained another strong team. We saw them on a big win streak uh, to begin the season. Uh, Richmond currently 17-13 and 13 in a strong Southwest division, finds them in fifth. And then Portland's going to be a huge series uh, because the Patriots and the Sea Dogs right now are the two top teams in the Northeast division. So what can we look for out of this Patriots team with some tougher competition over the next couple of weeks? I, I think just in general, we want to see how they really stack up because the Patriots have won won the ball games that they've needed to against teams that have not played as well. We've talked about Harrisburg, Hartford, uh, and Reading, and then they ended up kind of getting back at New Hampshire in that series at home two weeks ago. But how does that pitching staff really hold, especially some of the top guys like a Luis Heal who we just saw struggle a little bit? How does he rebound um, against some really good offensive squads? And and I think you know for us it's been hard because through the first month of the season with these six game series. We've only seen a handful of opponents. We've only seen the Patriots play four different teams. Um, and so as of right now, three of those four teams are at the bottom of their divisions. So maybe the Patriots aren't as good as we think, or maybe they're really good and they were able to capitalize, and we'll find that out in these next few weeks. Yeah, it's going to be certainly an interesting couple of weeks. The Patriots opening up a six-game series on Tuesday night uh, in Northwest Pennsylvania against the Erie Seawolves. When we come back, we're going to take a really deep dive into all of the New York Yankees organization. We're going to look at what's going on in Scranton. We're going to look at what's going on in Hudson Valley with a couple of players that certainly could eventually get called up to Somerset. I will also take a look at the uh, hitting machines that are down there with the Tampa Tarpons. Coming up next on the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. 
The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by TD Bank. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, we've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank, N.A. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. In uncertain times, you need someone who has your back. That's why Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey makes sure their health plans have all the benefits you need. Telemedicine, mental health services, and more. Because everyone should feel like someone has their back. And welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. We thought that it would make sense this week to take a really closer look at what's going on in the New York Yankees organization. We try to touch on it from time to time uh, in previous episodes with reports from all the other broadcasters around the organization. We try to touch on it from time to time on broadcast as well, but I don't think we've really sat down and sort of audited what's been going on so far at a number of the different levels in the New York Yankees organization. Now, going into this season, uh, one of the things that we were keying in on is that a lot of the talent, a lot of the top talent in this New York Yankees organization tends to be on the younger side. And, uh, you know, in Somerset, with us being at the double-A level, that means we kind of get these guys that are on the up-and-up coming here. And now, of course, Luis Heal, who, according to Baseball America, is the number four-ranked prospect in the Yankees organization. According to MLB Pipeline, he's number five. Heal's been here, and he's certainly been turning some heads with the way that he's pitched. But a lot of the other top guys, when you're looking really at the consensus top ten in the Yankees organization, Brandon, um, they're guys that tend to be really a bit lower in terms of you know their age and where they started off this year. Yeah, they're either lower or already have that major league experience as mm. Clark Schmidt and Davey Garcia that come to mind. But on the lower side of things, I think the only place you can start is with the Tampa Tarpons, and they opened up the 2020 season, 2021 season by scoring 10 or more runs in five straight games. It was a ridiculous offensive explosion, Mark. Uh, I remember when we looked over at the uh, out-of-town scoreboard during some games in the first week of the season, we were blown away. Some football scores. That's what we saw, including a 25-10 win over the Dunedin Blue Jays. It was a crazy uh, offensive explosion. That 25-10 win took four and a half hours to play, <laughs> 35 total runs, 33 hits, 18 walks. It was absurd. But one of the guys on that uh, Tampa team that continues to really turn heads is Trevor Hover. He was named the uh, player of the month in the Southeast League for the month of May. Led the league with six home runs, 22 RBI, 27 walks. He had a 491 OBP. Second in uh, runs with 22. He really, at the plate, has done it all uh, coming out of the third round in the 2020 draft from Arizona State. So he's been impressive and certainly somebody that uh, we anticipate seeing 
hopefully later this year, but I would say probably in uh, 2022. Yeah, Trevor Hover's gotten off to a very impressive start. He took minor league baseball by storm. Uh, there's a couple of other names uh, on this Tampa Tarpons team that have turned some heads as well. Uh, a lot of people around here in the Garden State are very curious to see about the progression of Anthony Volpe, uh, a shortstop who was drafted by the New York Yankees in, uh, what was it? The, he was the first round draft pick, 30th overall in 2019. Uh, he's been playing down there in Tampa and getting off to a good start to the season. Uh, another player that also ranks among top prospects, another shortstop, uh, Josh Smith, the number 14 ranks pro- ranked prospect in the Yankees organization, according to MLB Pipeline. Both Volpe and Smith have been playing a lot down there and been putting up some solid production. Yeah, I'm keying in on Volpe here, hitting 278 through 27 games. The other number that uh, I kind of like to see, 24 strikeouts and 115 at-bats, with especially a lot of these younger guys, the strikeout numbers are really high. Now, they're not especially low for Volpe, but uh, they don't really jump out at you off the page. Also, five home runs through his 27 games. And for Josh Smith, he didn't start off the season with Tampa. He's only played in 11 games, but over those 11 games, he's hitting 333. And how about this? Six home runs and 15 RBI for Smith over just 11 games in Tampa. Uh, you know, he's was ranked number 14 going into the season. He was a second round draft pick by the New York Yankees, 67th overall out of the 2019 draft coming from LSU, uh, a big-time baseball school down there. And lastly, I think Mark on Volpe here. In uh, this past week, he was named to the uh, Baseball America 20 Hottest Prospects from the week. That's because he hit just, you know, 435, 10 for 23, six runs, three home runs. He had a uh, very Diego Castillo-like week. So a lot of the bats impressing over in Tampa. Uh, another arm down there, Beck Way. Uh, he's appeared in uh, three games. He's made two starts. He has not yet allowed an earned run, uh, but he's still getting started. He's another prospect to watch in the Yankees organization. Yoendris Gomez, another top 10 prospect. Uh, he made his first start of the season for Tampa. He allowed two runs over two and two-thirds innings. Uh, both of those names uh, will be guys to follow moving forward. I want to stay on the pitching side as we get up to high A Hudson Valley. Uh, there's a couple of arms. One big name uh, in Luis Medina, who we've been following very closely, but another guy in Ken Waldachuk who's a top 30 prospect as well that has arguably put up the best numbers of any pitcher in the Yankees organization. Well, Medina has uh, six starts. He's 2-0 thus far. The ERA just 1-6-3. He's only allowed five runs over 27 and two-thirds innings pitched. And boy, look at those strikeout numbers. 46 across those 27 and two-thirds. Walks up a little, though, with 16. And maybe that's expected with a guy that's going to throw hard and get those high strikeouts. Still trying to figure out the the uh, command for Waldachuk, who's also made six starts. The lefty is 1-0. He has not allowed a run this season. He's right behind Medina. He's got 45 Ks through 24 and two-thirds. Yeah, I mean, 45 strikeouts over 24 and two-thirds innings. Um, what's 24 and two-thirds times... Uh What's 24 times 3? I'm trying to think of how many outs recorded and what the percentage of those uh, strikeouts are from Waldachuk. But to not allow, not even just an unearned run, he's not allowed any runs total over 24 and two-thirds innings. That is mightily impressive. And uh, some quick math from Brandon, was it 74 outs total? Yep, so 45 of the 74 outs via the strikeout. Over 50% in six starts this season, Waldachuk has uh, struck out 
uh, batters in terms of the outs recorded. So a uh, mightily impressive start to the season from both Luis Medina and Ken Waldachuk. Another name, a top 30 prospect, Hayden Wisniewski. Uh, he is an 0-1 record over six starts with a 1.84 ERA. Uh, pitching has been very strong for the Renegades. Not to be uh, overlooked, though, there are some interesting bats to follow on that Renegades team. And, and we really key in on this team because... They're high A. Somerset, of course, is double A. So when we see players at the high A level that really stand out, as we get further into the season, these are some of the potential reinforcements that Somerset could have uh, that could really, you know, step things up, not only pitching, but, you know, when looking at the bats, keying in on a guy like Oswald Peraza, a top five prospect. Ezekiel Duran's been playing well. Josh Bro has been over there, a catching prospect. What stood out to you so far from Hudson Valley's bats? Well, for Oswald Peraza, he won the uh, Player of the Month in the High A East for the month of May. So for the Yankees organization, really uh, stealing the show at the lower les- levels of baseball. He's really showing all five tools, hitting 316s. He had five homers, 15 swiped bags. Um, he has been really impressive and maybe a guy that we can kind of have on our radar, especially for the second half of the season here in Somerset. Ezekiel Duran hitting 302 over 26 games with four home runs, 14 RBI uh, as well. Also six stolen bases for Duran. And then we've talked a number of times, Brandon, about the uh, the depth at the catcher position in this Yankees organization. Now, Josh Bro, uh, who's a top 15, top 20 prospect in the Yankees organization, only hitting 174 so far this season. Uh, the strikeout numbers have been up, 31 strikeouts over 22 games, but you know, still young. Austin Wells is in Tampa. Josh Bro here in uh, Hudson Valley. Donnie Sands in Somerset. Uh, what do you see from this catcher's position? Well, it's it's certainly a depth for the Yankees, and you wonder what does that mean, um, especially you know maybe as they get closer to the trade deadline. We don't really know or have any kind of extra insight into that, but uh, it's certainly, as you said, a big uh, spot for the Yankees, even at the major league level, with you know Gary Sanchez kind of locked in to uh, some big money and Kyle Higashioka who's been playing really well and uh, working himself into the lineup for the New York Yankees as well. We'll just have to kind of keep a look and and I think that uh, as an organization they're going to try and get guys as much playing time as possible seeing a lot of splits throughout uh, in the minors but at the end of the day, it's the guys that uh, perform that are going to keep their hand in the lineup. Yeah, one other uh, catcher that I don't want to miss out on, Anthony Siegler, the team's first-round draft pick in 2018. Uh, he's playing with Hudson Valley as well, batting average slightly above 200. Uh, overall, according to MLB Pipeline, the Yankees have four catchers amongst their top 22 prospects uh, in the organization. Uh, Austin Wells in Tampa, Josh Bro and Anthony Siegler in uh, High A Hudson Valley, and uh, Antonio Gomez uh, still in rookie ball. Now, looking at the uh, Scranton-Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders, um, you know, for the prospects with that team, really, Brandon, we're keying in on some players that already played in Somerset that have really carried the Rail Riders as of late. Yeah, I mean, Hoy Park has been killing it ever since he's been with the Rail Riders. 15 games, he's hitting 370. 
Um, and he's got the power stroke there as well. I believe he only hit one homer with Somerset. He's got five in those 15 games with the Rail Riders. So he's been playing really well. We saw him very versatile on the uh, infield for the Patriots. It's pretty cool to see his success. And Thomas Malone also playing well, a 333 batting average with a home run and seven RBI over 14 games. You know, the big name is uh, Estevan Florial, who, of course, had that massive start to the season here in Somerset. Uh, briefly got called up to the major league level. Uh, the batting average isn't quite where he'd like it to be at 167. Um, but, you know, still a guy that has a lot of talent. Uh, and a lot of excitement surrounding him in the organization. Yeah, a lot of potential. We've said it from the start. It's those strikeout numbers that are going to dictate his uh, his ceiling. And right now, he's got 22 strikeouts and 60 at-bats. So he hasn't been seeing the ball all too well, although we know very familiarly that that can really change with the flip of a switch. So that's what we've seen from the New York Yankees overall so far this season. Let's check out what the broadcasters from each of these teams have seen as we check in uh, with low A Tampa, high A Hudson Valley, and triple A Scranton Wilkesbury. With this look at the Tampa Tarpons, I'm Joe Vasile. The high-flying Tampa Tarpons offense is back this week as Tampa has won four out of five games against the Lakeland Flying Tigers. Tampa has won games by scores of 16-2 and 12-3, including a doubleheader sweep on Saturday it was a huge doubleheader for Josh Smith, who went four for eight with three home runs and four runs batted in. Smith now has six home runs on the season. Austin Wells went three for three with three runs batted in and a triple to cap off what's been a strong week for the Tarpons catcher. Tampa is in first place in the low A Southeast West Division with a record of 21 and eight, one of three teams in minor league baseball with 21 wins. Hi everyone, this is Rob Adams, and this is Renegades Recap. Rain, rain, go away. The Renegades would like to play. After a rainy week with the Jersey Shore Blue Claws at home, the Gades hit the road for some more time away from the ballpark. Last Sunday's game at home was a washout, but Hudson Valley began their trip to Wilmington with decent weather. The Blue Rocks, yes, another team with blue in the name, brought the clouds, beating the Renegades 4-1 on Tuesday night. The teams also played on Wednesday, and it was Hudson Valley with the Thunder, as Josh Bro, Eric Wagaman, and Ezekiel Duran each homered to lead the Gades to an 8-3 win. Luis Medina, Barrett Lowski, and Nick Ernst combined to strike out 15 rocks and pick up the victory. Then came Thursday, and the rain arrived, knocking out any hopes of playing. The field remained unplayable on Friday, giving the two teams a second straight night off in Delaware. Finally, the Gades and Blue Rocks got back to business on Saturday with a doubleheader. In Game 1, Ken Waldachuk continued to do what he does, allowing no runs, three hits, and two walks over six with seven strikeouts. Zach Green finished the four-hitter off, and Hudson Valley won 4-0 in seven innings. Oswald Peraza drove in two. The Blue Rocks won the nightcap 7-5, but Eric Wagaman continued his hot stretch for the Gades. The first baseman is connected for seven hits in his last 15 at-bats with three doubles a triple, and a home run. The Renegades go back to Brooklyn for their second meeting with the Cyclones beginning on Tuesday. That's your Renegades Recap. I'm Rob Adams. With this look at the scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. Heading into play on Sunday, the Rail Riders are looking for a series split against the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. It marks the first series this season that the Rail Riders haven't won the set. It'll take a win on Sunday to go 3-3 three and three against the Pigs this week. It's also the final game of a 10-game, 13-day homestand with two rainouts mixed in. 
Rail Riders infielder Hoy Park continues his hot hitting at PNC Field. In eight games at the ballpark in Music, Park is hitting 321 with four home runs and nine runs batted in. Park hit his fourth home run of the year, a three-run shot, on Saturday. 2-0 pitch to him. So we're going to fly ball, hit out toward left field. They should at least bring one run home. Kingery back to the warning track. He leaps. It's gone. It got up into the air and just kept carrying for Hoy Park. His fourth home run of the homestand. And the Rail Riders with a three-run home run have cut the deficit down to two. Manager Doug Davis has been impressed with the body of work Hoy Park has put together since joining Scranton Wilkesbury three weeks ago. As a matter of fact, I, I think I am. I think we, uh, you know, we're, we all are. I mean, we're very impressed by his approach at the plate. By his, uh, he's quiet. He's relaxed. Um, you just don't see him chase much. Uh, you know, when he gets pitches to hit, he hits them the right way. That ball he hit the left field today had terrific backspin on it, even though it was it was high and which added a little bit of carry to it, which gave it enough to get out of the ballpark. Rail Riders and Iron Pigs close out their series Sunday afternoon, 105 first pitch at PNC Field. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, they've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank NA. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. In uncertain times, you need someone who has your back. That's why Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey Health Plans have the benefits you need. Telemedicine, so you can see a doctor anytime, anywhere. Mental health professionals available 24-7. Virtual ID cards and more on your phone. We'll help you find the plan that covers it all. Because everyone should feel like someone has their back. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is here when you need us most. Now and always. Welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. That's all we've got for this week. It's going to be a very exciting series between the Somerset Patriots and the Erie Seawolves. Two teams with two of the three best overall records in the AA Northeast League. A reminder that you can listen to this podcast if you're hearing it on the voice of Central Jersey 1450 WCTC on Monday nights at 7 p.m. We're back to our normal time this week. Uh, you could also listen to the podcast online, whether it be on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or on Spotify, or on SomersetPatriots.com. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider giving us a five-star rating as it does help out our podcast uh, moving forward. But we very much appreciate you guys tuning in. Enjoy this week of Somerset Patriots baseball. Thank you for listening to the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. Each episode is aired on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC and WCTCAM.com with online versions made available on podcast streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Please consider giving us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the show. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.